0: This is The Ed Milet Show. Welcome back, everybody. Well, let's talk about love today. Let's talk about a little love. I'm so excited for today. So many people knew that this man was coming on, and they're like, ask him this, ask him that, ask him this. I'll try to get the questions in for you guys, all right? But I got a lot of my own, too. So... Humble the Poet is with me here today, otherwise known as Kanwar Singh. But he said, if I said his name correctly, which I think I did, that I've worked too hard to prepare for the interview. <laughs> so we're going to call him Humble. Humble the Poet's here today. Our mutual friend, Lewis Howes, was just with us, and he said, Not only is he a poet, but his life is poetry. So I can't wait to ask him a bunch of questions about the topic of love. He's got a book out called How to Be Love, duh both individually and the plural simple truths for going easier on yourself embracing imperfection and loving your way to a better life man do I need to know more about this so humble the poet welcome brother Thank you so much for having me. Dude, your work is so good. Oh, I
1: appreciate it, man. And
0: what I love about the way you wrote this book is it's a bunch of very short, easy-to-understand chapters, so yeah. you can move through the book if you want to read part of it right now and put it down for a day. You can pick it back up. Yep. Did you do that intentionally? Just I'd, curious.
1: I did. So I was I was an elementary school teacher before all of this, and the big word is accommodation, how to make things easier for everybody. Mm. So the way I write my books is you don't have to read them in order. Um you can just open up to any page and you'll find something you connect with and uh for me as an artist it's like the challenge is can I make it so you can open it up anywhere find something you dig but if you go end to end is there also a thread that connects it so it's a lot of really a lot of really fun challenges for me to kind of make it all happen but um Yeah, I understand that. Look, to get the idea across, you only need a couple of pages, and we can explore those pages. And um, what I'm trying to do is to get people to start a journey. I'm not here to have all the answers. I'm just Mm -hmm. the kid at the front of the class sharing everything that
0: he's learning while he's taking notes. Well, actually, it's funny you say that, because the first chapter of the book Mm -hmm. is love is a path, not a destination. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck does that mean?
1: I think so often we think that there's like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and we don't realize that. The pot of gold is the rainbow you know it's not about because we watch movies and there's always a happily ever after and we don't know what the day after their happily ever after is but our lives move in cycles we have you know maybe not in LA but we have four seasons and things move (laughs) circular And, and I think it's just really important to understand that that it's not about what the work gets you. It's who you become doing all this work, who you become on this journey. Mm. And again, different cultures believe in different things, but this idea that there's something at the end waiting for us really has us always not appreciating where we are, you know? So it's really about climbing a mountain, not worrying about getting to the top and enjoying the view every step of the way.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. But man, even me in my life, I've struggled with that. Like I've struggled with... Enjoying right now yeah. because I'm looking so forward to the next thing that I've got. Yeah. And you, when you meet you, like there's, there's a tranquility. That's a word that I would use to describe you, mm. a tranquility about you. And I think like the topic of love itself, Lewis and I were just talking. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we both acknowledge about ourselves is our, the work we're doing on allowing ourselves to feel loved. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at giving love, Mm -hmm. but receiving it. And your work's profound because it's not only, it explores a loving relationships with other people and the one you have with yourself. How do you think the one you have with yourself affects the one you have with other people?
1: I think the one, the one that we have with ourselves is the only one and our relationships with everybody else and every other thing is just a mirror of that, of that relationship. You know, like as you're talking about this this challenge to receive love, I think a lot of us, especially men, um, were kind of subtly signaled to put up these walls to protect ourselves, not realizing that these walls were prisons, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were blocking a lot of a lot of love and the pathways of love to realize love. They weren't it wasn't coming in because these walls were preventing us from being vulnerable. Vulnerability is the number one thing you need to create a connection. You know, for me and you to become closer and closer friends is going to require us to get more and more vulnerable with each other. You know, Lewis mentioning us going to Poland. We, we, we suffered together and we got closer. You know, had we gone to an all, all-inclusive resort trip to Hawaii, we wouldn't have bonded the same way. You know, we bonded off of sharing our fears, sharing our insecurities, sharing tears together on that trip. And we put up so many walls because we're afraid of being exposed. You're yeah. afraid of that. And again, it's not zero in a hundred. You don't have to go and, and start sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with somebody. What I learned was have two vulnerable stories in your pocket that you can share with a complete stranger that would not scare them away. Give me an example of that. So one of mine is my relationship with my puppy. So I had a I had a German shepherd for 11 years He lived out his life. And we had to make the decision to put him to sleep because his hips gave away so he mm-hmm. couldn't walk. And after that, I never wanted to own a dog again, you know, to to, to watch your your child, you know, pass away in your arms. Yeah. It, it broke my heart. So I would just be everybody else's backseat dog owner without really? having one myself. Um, until somebody, you know, during the pandemic said, hey, somebody had ordered this puppy through a breeder and uh, they thought it was going to turn out red or brown and it came out black. They don't want it. You know, Do you want this puppy? And I was like, Dog racism—that's so weird. But also, I plan on moving to this. I lived in Toronto, in Canada, and I was like, I'm am moving to the states. I can't have a puppy. Um, you know, a few shots of tequila later, I was like, I need the puppy. You know, I need the puppy. Give me the puppy. And even then, after I signed up for the puppy, I still had to wait. The puppy was just born that day. I had to still wait two months. Uh, and I got I got this beautiful puppy, and you know, she took the plane ride over here with me, and she's been living her beautiful girl LA life, and it's been amazing. And during the pandemic, you drop your dog off at the vet at the front door. They don't let you in. That's right. Aunt and we the
0: groomer, same thing. Everything, right? yeah.
1: And then, you know, as everything subsided, I, I went to a vet in Studio City and I went inside and I saw the metal table. And I instantly had an emotional reaction because I hadn't seen that since I put my previous dog to sleep. And I didn't realize how much it would emotionally, you know, mm. get me jarring. So that is, you know, and so it helps me realize how much of an emotional journey I've had uh, owning animals and also realizing that if everything works out the way it's supposed to, I will always outlive them, Mm -hmm. you know, because even with this new puppy, she's a smaller breed, but that's still max 15 years. So that's an example of me being vulnerable. And I can tell that to a stranger without being worried that it's going
0: to scare them away. No, it actually yeah. already makes me feel more connected to you and yeah. like you more too.
1: And it also gives you an opportunity to be vulnerable with me. That's exactly right. And I think that's the thing we all learn, whether we paid attention to or not, is when we're authentically vulnerable with other people, they generally don't judge us, and they see that as an opportunity for them to feel safe enough to be vulnerable with us. You know, and I think that's the important part.
0: Bro, I love you because I, I have to tell you something. That. I love you too, man. I'm not a great at a lot of things. Yeah. I'm really not. That is something I'm pretty darn good at being vulnerable especially as i've gotten older Mm -hmm. and i have found that that's been the pathway in my life to having other people open up to me yes and to connect me with them whereas i used to have the prison you described Mm -hmm. whereas i i just need to let you know how great i am how perfect i am yeah and not show any of those weaknesses or vulnerabilities or anything actually even real yeah you know the other thing it made me think of when you're telling the story about when you lost your dog the german shepherd right Mm -hmm. that you were like i'm not gonna have another one again that's how a lot of people have felt about having another loving relationship, yep. and I I coach so many people. I'm so blessed to coach so many people that have achieved you know certain levels of financial success or impact. But I have to tell you, one of the through lines is if they've been in what they thought was a loving relationship, and it ended in a way that disappointed them or hurt them. There's a lot of people even right now listening to this that are like, and I'm not doing that again. I'm not risking the pain. I'm not mm-hmm. risking the hurt again, um, the disappointment again in my life. I'll just sort of Put those walls up myself, male or female, yeah. and I'm gonna live in this sort of protected place. I might date, I might get a little physical action in my life, but I am not letting someone back in yeah. to my deepest, you know, emotions and feelings. Yeah. Do you see that? And what would you say to somebody who's thinking that?
1: I, I mean, I see that. I live that. You know, uh you know. I'm listen. I've, I've. Wait, I you live that right journey. now? I, I. We all live that. Listen, yeah. I'm not here to pretend that I've solved all my problems around love, and you know, now the book and you'll be perfect like me no that's not this i'm on my journey just like you guys mm-hmm. this is the journey of awareness and it's and it's being aware of your own patterns and i definitely have protective mechanisms up whether i'm aware of them or not mm-hmm. and i think the big thing that i've realized is you know i think this is a 50 cent quote about you know the kid it's, it's the kid that avoids the, the fight at school that ends up with the black eye and i think it's the same thing a lot of the things that we think we're protecting ourselves from we're inviting them you know, you don't want to say anything to not start a conflict with your partner, but then the resentment grows, and the and the, the conflict happens eventually. It, it blows up anyways. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to express your needs because you don't want to get rejected, but then not expressing your needs means your your needs are already not being met. So I, I what I realized with me is every time I did put up those walls because I didn't want to be disappointed you know it would lead to further disappointment i was just sabotaging myself it's almost like you get a flat tire and you slash the other 3 hmm. you know it doesn't take you where you need to be and i think the other part that's really important with all of that is negative emotions like pain these, these aren't the enemy hmm. these these are messages you know pain pain can be telling you hey this isn't a person you need to be around it could also be telling you take your hand off that hot stove pain is a message it's a gift
0: Hey, guys, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. You know, in all of my businesses, and I've been blessed to have several of them, I've used Indeed now for a number of years. And the main reason I do it is, if you're like me, I don't want to waste a bunch of time interviewing people that aren't qualified for the positions that I have. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world, right? Or they are qualified, but they're not interested in making the move at the given time. And so with Indeed, you have a thing called Instant Match, where they match you with quality candidates within 24 hours, and you're in front of people that want the job, that are qualified for it, and that you probably want to hire. I wouldn't go anywhere else. They've delivered great candidates to multiple businesses that I have right now. So here's what's great. Listeners and viewers on my show, you get a $75 sponsored job credit right now to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Just go to Indeed.com slash which is M-Y-L-E-T-T right now, and you can support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That would be great, by the way. Indeed.com slash Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you about Shopify. You know, when I started the show, the furthest thing from my mind was doing online business, and now I can't imagine my life without it. So I love Shopify because they're a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. So whether you're in the startup phase where you're just launching your online store or you're at that really big business where you're like, hey, we just hit a million bucks in order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. They've helped me through every single stage. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. So whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered big time. They help turn browsers into buyers, they convert, their checkouts 36% better than all the leading competitors. And I've used them for everything I do online. So every single thing you see that I market online, Shopify is somehow involved. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash my let all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash my let now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash my let.
1: Anxiety is a message. It's a gift. The challenges we have when we try to suppress the pain, suppress the anxiety. Negative emotions, you know, if humans, there's an emotion wheel. You can Google emotion wheel for humans. The only positive emotions there are happiness and surprise. And surprise can go either way, it's positive or negative. Every other emotion would be considered negative, but that's what keeps us alive. You don't learn when you're happy. You don't survive when you're happy. It's the emotions that we consider negative that make us learn, make us grow, make us unlock our potential, you know. You go to the gym. An easy day at the gym would not be considered a successful day at the gym. You're right. You know we require pain, and there's a chapter in the books that says love is sitting with your pain. It does. Yeah. You know, I as 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 a guy, when 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 my partner, um, or my past partner would express her pain to me, a complaint, it would trigger my. I I would be a fixer. Let me fix
0: it. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Very masculine male thing to do, isn't it?
1: And I th- and I thought for a long time because you know there's a lot of uh, you know pop culture TV shows who kind of create these kind of labels, like the man is the fixer, the woman Mm -hmm. is the venter. But what I realized was, no, I'm not fixing because I care to fix it. I'm trying to fix it because she's triggering my pain. And I want to stop feeling my pain. Because the way that I try to fix it is if I can't give her an actual pragmatic solution, then I may try to downplay the pain and be like, well, you know, other people have it worse. Or I might be like, that's not even really a problem. But the real goal is to make my pain go away because she's triggering it. She's reminding me of my pain. And what I learned way too late in life is empathy is sitting in the pain with that person. If you express pain to me, I don't need to solve it. I need to feel my pain. Now let's just sit together and be in that pain. And we can hug it out, cry it out, and build a deeper connection that way. Oh.
0: Yeah, and it's not something
1: that again, as you and you even use the term we're talking about vulnerability, we use that term weakness, showing people my weaknesses. But vulnerability is a strength. It's just we've been signaled maybe from those who raised us, maybe from a society that raised us, that vulnerability is somehow a weakness because it's what will allow people to 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 harm you. You know, like as if it's like you know we have vulnerable parts of our body, protect them. You know, if you get in a fight, but your vulnerability in terms of your story, your vulnerability in terms of your fears. Um, you know, there are people going to try to exploit those because those are people in pain themselves. Oh boy. But in general, it's what creates that connection with other people. And it's realizing that, Hey, I don't want to feel any pain, even though that is the only direction that growth exists. If you want to go from a bad place to a better place, you have to go through a worse place. And it's no different than pushing yourself in the gym. It's, it's gotta, it's gotta kind of suck. You know, and that's the only way that I'm going to grow from this. And it's the same thing where, you know, sitting in a room by yourself with your thoughts, letting Mm -hmm. the anxiety build up, not having a phone, not having any distractions and just feeling yourself be super uncomfortable because you're so used to dopamine and rewards. And all of a sudden being like, oh, my God, like I can't I don't want to sit with my own thoughts, you know, so what we and I feel lonely and I feel scared sitting through that and realizing that we're not our thoughts. We're not our feelings. We are what's experiencing these thoughts. We are what's experiencing these feelings. You are not happy. You are not sad. You are feeling happy. You are feeling sad. And in your, in your entire life, every single emotion you've ever felt eventually faded away, good or bad. Mm. And it's just that reminder of like this is, all going, this is all temporary on different levels and running towards it instead of doing everything we can to avoid it. Um, is the recipe to actually realize more love. Because the love is always there. Mm. What we have to do is create pathways for the love to flow. Wow. You know, Me and you right now getting to know each other is we're building our bridge for love to flow between us. Mm. Now we're slowly paving it. Now if we have a conflict, then we just threw a piece of rubble in between and that's blocking the flow. And then we have to have a conversation to clear that. So my, my belief with love is it's always there. Mm. And what we're doing is establishing pathways with ourselves and other people, and it's the same, same rules. I gotta be, if I want to be closer to you, I have to be vulnerable with you. If I want to be closer to myself, I have to be vulnerable with myself. Mm-hmm. How can I be vulnerable with myself? Well, I can journal, mm-hmm. and I can write all my thoughts out. Um, prayer, I think prayer is an amazing, irrespective of your religious mm-hmm. beliefs, prayer is an authentic moment to express what you actually want and desire and to express what you actually are grateful for. Because mm. those are the times that you're not doing it for anybody else but yourself and, and, and those or whoever you are praying to. That will allow you to be more deeply vulnerable with yourself. Mm. Dancing, dancing with yourself, mm. feel your body, mm. just dance all by yourself, feel how your body moves. You're becoming more intimate with yourself. Intimacy is a level of vulnerability. Mm. You can hug yourself. It's called self-havening. mm mm-hmm. You know, these are examples. Um, if you go on my Instagram right now, one of my pinned videos is, is me in my underwear looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I made that is because self-love is, is as I said, it's embracing imperfections. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not 10 percent body fat. And I went there in my underwear and I said, look, I'm looking at my body with gratitude. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at my body like most of us have. Like, oh, I could I could improve that. Ooh, I can mm-hmm. trim down over there. Ooh, I wish my shoulders were bigger. Ooh, I wish, you know, and, and women is probably even more in terms of expectations around their body. Why
0: do you think, by the way, I want to acknowledge something with yeah. you. That was one of the most riveting experiences for me on the show ever, everything you just threw out there. I like, appreciate that. Man. I mean it. Like, you can tell by my face, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I jump in on that, and I'm going to come back. Like, yeah. I'm serious. That was really uh, a beautiful expression right there. Why can't you do both? Why is that always a choice in our space of a, um, I either just really love myself, um, or I have to fix everything. Why can't I actually love myself and still go, but I want to be 10% body fat. What's that's not a bad thing. Right.
1: And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think what we need to do is we need to realize that in life we're always moving. Mm -hmm. We're always moving. So you're either growing or you're, or you're shrinking. So I, what I say is in the book, I said, love is progress, not perfection. I love that part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. So there needs to be progress. Progress. Yeah. You know, and as I said, like you're climbing the hill, Yep. right? Not promising yourself immaculate happiness when you hit the top, you're enjoying every step of the way. Yeah. And I think a really good analogy for that, uh, would be video games. You're not, when you play a video game, let's say you dropped $80 on a brand new video game. You're not trying to rush to the end, Mm-hmm. you're trying to soak in every moment every Jeez. challenge everything that's really good. and that's how i view life you know it's you know as i said going i i have i have a cousin who got in really good shape and i was like what what program are you on he's like i just started working out because i felt sad and mm-hmm. i go to the gym when i'm sad mm-hmm. and you know and i'm mm-hmm. like well you must have been very sad because mm-hmm. you look great mm-hmm. and i think you know working out to feel good will also give you the consequences of of a good point. the the body or, or what have you. You know, you'll start to realize, hey, oh, man, if I have, you know, a, a bacon double cheeseburger before my workout versus a salad or something, mm-hmm. I can feel the difference. Mm-hmm. And so you'll, you'll naturally start making adjustments to your diet yeah. to
0: feel good. To feel good. Feeling good is always more important than looking good. You, so, you're so right. You know one thing I just realized about myself as you were talking? This is for the men. We're like, oh boy, we're talking about love. You know, I know yeah. so, I know some yeah. of my male friends, even, right? Yeah. Man, you better be listening right now. Yeah. You better still be here. Cause you just said something a few minutes ago that I need to go back to. I need to do a much better job of allowing others to sit for me to sit in pain with them. Mm-hmm. And myself. Mm-hmm. My inclination is to constantly fix it, put it away. And you're a billion percent right, if I'm being honest. It's because it reminds me of experiencing my own pain. Yeah. You're a million percent right, yeah. and I do that all the time. I'm constantly trying to fix things. Oh, I got the answer for that. Oh, this is what you got to do. Oh, we can put that away. Yeah. And just sitting in that pain, by the way, the few times in my life, and it is few, that I've given myself the gift of that experience, it's been transformative. Mm-hmm. It's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's actually a gift you could give yourself. And mm-hmm. I, as you were talking, I was talking to myself going, man, I've really robbed that gift of not others necessarily, but also myself. Yeah of sitting in it and coming to a deeper level of understanding about myself. And I really want to thank you for that. Like, that's a, the concept of love, the way you describe it is a very broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. But I also like that you narrowed it down at the beginning to say that that's really the only type is the one that we have with ourselves, that Mm -hmm. relationship. And I'm not going to go through the whole book because I want people to get the book. And by the way, it is so good, and I'm not exaggerating this. When I was preparing for this interview, this could easily be, just from this book, no exaggeration, a 10-hour interview. Because Mm -hmm. there's so many things in the book that I think would make an impact for different people at different times in their life. But when you talked about the different uh, types of love, you actually, the the second chapter, it's like, crap, we're already there. Big L love versus small L love. You got to tell them about this.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, shout outs to Aubrey Marcus. This was inspired through my conversations with him, Um, you know, another Beautiful transparent soul. That mm-hmm. just, Aubrey's a great guy. He just lays it all yeah. out. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I think the way, you know, he, the way he put it is, you know, it's kind of pe- pleasure versus peace. You know, I think, you know, Big L love is peace. It's 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 what we actually strive for. Big L, uh, small L, love is like these pleasures. It's the uh, the validation, the attention. It's the uh, um, power, control, clout. All of these things that kind of feel like love. You know, like the fast food versions of love, and they're very addictive. And and we do stuff for that because. But the actual urge that we have is for this peace. And I think we now, especially in the, the speed of the society that we live in now, we're chasing so much pleasure just to bring us back to zero. We're not even chasing pleasure to feel good. Man, We're chasing pleasure to feel less bad. And wow. if we focus on the piece and, and the piece doesn't, and, and again, you know the, the subtitle of the book is going easy on yourself. There's nothing wrong for us for believing in these ideas of like grand gestures, trips to Paris, the big spark. All of these things are being taught to us through media because that makes entertaining stories. Hmm healthy relationships would not make for great TV.
0: A healthy husband and wife would be an extremely peaceful, uneventful
1: relationship with not a lot of drama. You know, there's not a cat and mouse game happening. There's not a lot of ups and downs. That wouldn't make for great TV. So. We naturally, when we watch television, we, we want that. We want the Ross and Rachels. We want the Bobby Whitneys. We want all of these things. But they're not examples of healthy love. That's mm-hmm. examples of just high highs and low lows. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something for us to recognize and like, okay, I've been taught this. I've been taught to look for the spark. But like now there's science supporting this idea that your spark is actually, that's a, like, that's a trauma trigger. You know, We're attracted to people that remind us of the people that raised us who were our first models of love. And those people, if they were your parents or anybody else, they were flawed human beings. And that's okay that they sure, were. Sure. But when you're 9, 10, and you have a developing brain, and you look at everything in terms of black and white, and you, you have a center of the universe mentality, as kids will, um, you'll internalize everything they say and do about you as gospel. You yeah. know, So if, if, if dad came home, had a bad day at work, and, he, and you tried to say something to him and he snapped at you, you think it's your fault because you don't have that external context Mm -hmm. you know it's going to take decades for you to start understanding context and even now we forget that Mm -hmm. that people are carrying their own baggage and then you're going to be like okay well i expressed a need he snapped on me i i shouldn't express needs anymore and also someone's going to you know it's it's there's a nostalgia there you know Mm -hmm. it's like i eat some of my favorite childhood cereals now and they're they're not healthy for me but it tastes like childhood right It's the same thing with love. So it's like, you know, you might be attracted to someone that reminds you of your father or your mother because that was your first exposure to love, even if it was a dysfunctional relationship. Yes. So instead of saying like, oh, this, you know, there's a great book called Attached where the quote is we we don't question. We're not here to refute the idea of a soulmate. We're just here to say you probably passed on your soulmate because you thought they were boring.
0: Because it would be too easy. It's too easy there's and it's no triggers. peaceful. And yeah, there's, there's no, no triggers. triggers.
1: <laughs> they text back at a responsible time. You know, <laughs> they don't so make it good. hard. They validate me. Like, this feels gross because I always believed I had to earn love. Yeah. You know, we have this idea to earn love and you don't have to earn love. Love isn't something that you can earn. Everybody you love in your life doesn't have to do anything to earn your
0: love. Oh my gosh, you're so profoundly right. You know. And you're so right about this fast food Pleasure thing. Yeah. And it is not to feel good. It's to feel less bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh, is that true? Do you know how many friends of mine I thought of when you just said that? Like, mm. oh my gosh, I'm like, many, I'm thinking in the middle of the year, I'm watching Sasha back there, my producer, like, your stuff's so good, dude. Like, one of the jobs of the producer during a show mm. is to be thinking about that would be a good clip. Yeah. But she's back there constantly writing right now, like making, it like everything. Oh, you that's epic. Because I got to tell you, like, I thought of so many people, and it's not that I don't think of myself in that sense. Yeah. A lot of the things you say really apply to me. But my gosh, man, that is absolutely one trillion percent and, right. And
1: please understand, I'm still eating fast food. Yeah. Please understand, like I have, I have created my list of you know non-negotiables when it comes to women I date. Mm-hmm. But then when she shows up and she's just extremely beautiful you're I forget right. my list yep. and then it burns me two weeks later yep. and I just I'm like okay well you knew that was going to happen yep. so you, we're not going to hold any space for you to feel sorry for yourself right
0: it's same as when you know you're going to eat that double cheeseburger you know yeah, what it means you, but man it feels good for exactly. a little bit exactly <laughs> so what I'm saying listen I'm not
1: immune to this I'm in the same boat as you guys yeah. what, what I'm just doing is as, as I'm learning and I'm on this journey with everybody else and I just think that's important
0: to dude say. and one thing that you say in the book about judgment and I'm just going to let it apply to ourselves, but like, man, if I could go back and save me a bunch of pain in my life, Mm. go back to the 25-year-old me, one of the things I would say, brother, is like, give yourself a break, man. Quit judging yourself all the time. I'm so, I know so many of you are this way too. I judge other people, which is a terrible thing to do. We all do it. Man, the worst judgment I reserve for me, and it becomes a pattern in life. And for me, I really believe that self-judgment has been an impediment if not a complete block to believing I'm worth being loved or maybe I feel like I'm worth being loved but I'm not worth experiencing the feeling of it almost. Like intuitively mm-hmm. intellectually I'm like I'm a good person. I treat other people really well. So I think from that perspective I'm like maybe I should be but I don't let myself feel it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. even when people are really loving on me yeah i don't yeah. F- feel it yeah.
1: if your bucket's is upside down it can rain you're not catching anything yeah yeah it's so i, I think there's one idea i, I want to challenge and i think you know right now it's really popular to say people to people you're worthy you're enough yeah what i'm going to go ahead and say is there's people there's no measurement of worthiness or enoughness for a person mm-hmm. the love that i'm talking about is gonna is will love things that are even considered unlovable you know, there is no qualification for love. Mm. Um, and the other thing I think is really important is this idea of thoughts in our head. Okay. Um, very rarely are we actually uh, creating thoughts. And most often is we have thoughts given to us. You know, yes. um, somebody makes a comment, you know, say, oh, you know, let's say I make a sarcastic comment about your shirt. I'm like, Oh, that's a cool shirt. Mm. And you're like, what does he mean by that? And then all mm. of a sudden, eventually it might internalize where it starts sounding like you. And now you tell yourself that I don't like this shirt anymore. Mm -hmm. And we have had, you know, parents that have said things to us and then that slowly transitions into our voice. And and, uh, the quote in the book is, you know, we judge because we're insecure and we're insecure because we judge. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it's this idea that we are both prisoners and guards to this game, you know, because I was judged, I have to judge you. And that creates this cycle of insecurity. And now you're going to, place those judgments on other people as well not realizing that we don't know what people see when they see us mm-hmm. you know we see ourselves every day we're hyper judgmental we're hyper critical of it um and we're not i just saw someone on instagram walk up to somebody and say what do you rate yourself out of 10 and they'll be like a six then he takes a picture walks up to somebody else what do you rate this person out of 10 Ooh, that's a 10 mm-hmm. and then he'll ask them and, and every time we always rate ourselves lower um, and then we also vilify people who are, who have done the work to pass through that and are very confident because they're, sure do. We, we call, call somebody, them cocky. Yep. We sure oh, they did. think they're better than everybody. Mm. And confidence isn't thinking you're better than people. Confidence is just not feeling below other people, <laughs> <laughs> not feeling this need to prove mm. yourself to other people. And, um, it's, it's a really interesting idea because you start to think, okay, well, these, I'm starting to realize that these ideas aren't serving me, but now I see that these ideas are being pushed on me everywhere. You're right. And it's like, well, why would I be made to feel ugly? Well, so they can sell me stuff to yeah. make me feel pretty. Because if I felt comfortable in my own skin, I'd own one pair of shoes, two pair of jeans, two pairs of mm. the shirts, and I'd look like a Simpsons character and wear the same stuff every day and be cool with it. Yep. But they got me convinced that I need a $1,000 shirt. Yep. I need to drive something super nice. I need yep. to do all of these things. Uh, I need to look the part more than feel the part. Um, And there's an entire economy based off of that.
0: Okay, I got to go to there with you. Yeah. Of all your work, the part that resonated the most with me is where you're heading. And I want to say it the way you say it, and then I want you to spit some truth on this, Mm -hmm. okay? I, most of my life, confused or conflated approval from people with love. And I know why. It's exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is these patterns of the people that raised us. So I got the feeling like I, my dad was loving me, if he approved of something I was mm-hmm. doing. Dad, I got a 90 on my spelling test. Mm. Dad, I hit a home run in baseball. Yeah. You did? No. And I got attention from him, yeah. or approval from him, and I conflated, and I think the great, you say it in the book, our addiction to approval denies us love. Everyone listen really closely, because even in your intimate relationships, your friendships, all the way to the extension of strangers on your social media, Are you conflating these two things? Are you confusing them? And I got to tell you, the vast majority of my life, maybe up until the last 10 years, and maybe even still a little bit now, I confuse those things. Mm. And I think approval and attention can be love. And this causes people in all areas of their life to behave in ways that are outside their integrity, mm-hmm. to do things that they'd be ashamed of doing, mm-hmm. to things they regret doing mm-hmm. in their life. And for me, of all the work in the book, and there's so much in it that we're still going to get into, this part really hit home, and I have a feeling it will with everybody. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I think, again, in in the in the spirit of going easy on ourselves, I think our, we're all addicted to approval, and I think it's a survival mechanism. I think we all grew up in uh, as humans, for, for tens of thousands of years we were in much smaller communities. Yeah. You know, we weren't in these large cities. We were in small communities, maybe a hundred people. And gaining approval in that community meant survival. Mm. You had to play by the rules and you had to understand yourself in relation to everybody else in terms of the hierarchy, in terms of everything. And it was super important to understand that we were we were running in packs. Mm. And if you weren't contributing, you you're gonna get thrown out. And if you got thrown out, you'll probably die. Yeah. So being rejected, being left out, um actually meant death hmm. now being rejected being left out feels like death you know fomo uh, you know uh, asking a girl for her phone number getting turned out it feels like it because this is still in our this is still software that we have that that's not going to get up it takes hundreds of thousands of years for our software internally to change so these are ancient fears that served a purpose that no longer serve a purpose um so the first thing i want to say is don't try to overcome your addiction for approval um, because it's, it's hardwired into us and it Mm -hmm. kept us alive for a long time. It's no longer Mm -hmm. relevant. I believe the best thing we can do is be aware of it and Mm -hmm. work with it. Once you become, you know, once we became aware of gravity, we learned how to fly. So I look at, I look at it from that standpoint. Beautiful. And also look at our society growing up. Who was the coolest kid in middle school? You know, that was, that was an opinion. Now, they can count followers, they can count likes, they can, they can see if they got a blue check mark, they can read Mm. the, you know, now everything is a metric. You know, So your approval has metrics aside of, beside of it. So now you're subtly being told, like, oh, well, that photo of me at Disneyland got this much approval, but that photo of me in my bathing suit got this much approval. Oh, that photo of me with that controversial opinion about that cultural issue got this much approval. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start doing more of that. Mm-hmm. And it might be a subconscious thing. So I think that's really important. It but what we, what we have to realize, though, it is fast food. It's delicious, um, but it's not nutritious. And what it does is we it makes us prioritize being likable over actually creating ideas of love. It'll make me want you to like me versus me being my authentic self. Yes. So we're not creating yes. a, a pathway
0: of love. I can be whoever you want me to be right now. Who do you need me to be? Yep. And at the
1: same time, it might also be like, okay, then I'm not going to establish boundaries. I'm going to say yes when I mean no which in itself is gonna eventually lead to resentment. There is no love when resentment's in the room. Resentment will suck out all the oxygen out of the room from love. Um, And it's a really important thing to to understand. Let's not be martyrs. Let's not put our needs uh, in the backseat to keep everybody else happy and think we're doing something honorable. We're not, we're not of any value to people if our needs aren't being met. Hmm. It's not selfish to put yourself first. It's Hmm. selfish to expect other people to put you first. And it's selfish for other people to expect you to put them first. You have to take care of yourself to be available to take care and be of value and of service to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to understand that being likable, doing all of this, it seems like the right way to kind of keep the peace, but it's not sustainable. The longer you do it, you eventually crack. Yep. And that is where it, and then it starts to fracture your relationships.
0: It sure does. Yeah,
1: and boundaries isn't telling somebody what they can and can't do. Boundaries is simply saying, Listen, this is who I am. These are my expectations. Not my expectations. These are my standards mm-hmm. of, of, of what I require to invest in other people, invest my time, my energy, my attention, my focus, my love. This is what's required. You can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting you to be anything. But if it doesn't live up to these standards, then
0: I can't make an investment. You just corrected that expectations word because you do yeah. it in the book, too. Yeah. And I want to stay on that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know your work, brother. Yeah. Really, no, really I appreciate well. it. I really yeah, it means I, a lot. It, well, it means your work means a lot to me because I actually believe this is the ultimate life conversation. Mm-hmm. I really believe there's no topic more important. I mean, now if you could say, well, no, faith is faith is really about the ultimate love. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate eternal love, and so I believe we're talking about the most important thing you could be talking about right now. One of the things you do talk about is this this issue of having expectations attached to a loving relationship and how it's probably not the right correlation. If you've been listening or watching the show for a long time, you know what a big believer in NetSuite I am. I've been talking about them now for years. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors, which is why I've been using them now for five years myself. Over 37,000 other companies have as well. They've made the moves. Do the math. Now you'll see profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash mylet, netsuite.com slash mylet, M-Y-L-E-T-T, netsuite.com slash mylet. So, hey, guys, you know when I love technology and a great idea revolutionizes an old industry. And by the way, if there's an industry that needs a revolution, I think you'd agree with me. It's the healthcare industry. It's not easy to find good doctors. And by the way, good doctors that are in your area that also take your insurance. And that's why I love ZocDoc. They are revolutionizing the healthcare industry and the way you get access to doctors. ZocDoc, by the way, is Z-O-C-D-O-C. Here's who they are. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Tons of different reviews on the doctors and they're local to you. You can find out if they take your insurance. I just did it for a tear. I had my shoulder one day later. I'm in the doctor's office getting some help getting an order for an MRI. So, go to zocdoc.com/mylet and download the Zocdoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoc.com/mylet. Zocdoc.com/mylet.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the 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 under the the punch to the gut, you know, line in the book is don't fall in love with potential. Yep. Um, and, and if you really want to fall in love with potential, fall in love with your own potential, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we love is acceptance, accepting somebody for who they are as they are in front of you. Again, you want, we all want to be making progress and we want the people around us to be making progress Mm -hmm. and, 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 and have that. Um, but you have to accept what's in front of you. People Mm -hmm. don't need to qualify for your love. And again, the people you already love, you know, all their Imperfections and none of that disqualifies them. Mm-hmm. Perfection isn't required to have a pathway of love. History isn't required. People mm-hmm. who have children meet their child for the first time and are full of love. Mm-hmm. Meet their nieces and nephews. They meet them for the first time. They're full of love. Nieces and nephews throw up on you. There's nothing to, to, to disqualify them from love. It's true. You know, it's a, it's, it's, there's no reciprocity. You're right. It's a one sided relationship for a very long time. It doesn't disqualify anybody from love. Mm. It's not transactional. Love is a gift. It's not loan. Love is what you give. And the more you give, the more you serve, the more you realize. As I said, this, to me, I don't, I don't make distinctions with the love. As I said, all we're doing is we're opening pathways with people. People are showing us where love can be. Mm. And having expectations of people is, by default, you're throwing stuff to block the pathway. You're, you're throwing garbage on the road and making it harder for that love to flow through. You're throwing rocks in the river and, and you're slowing down the flow. And Shoot, that's good. And that's why, I, and, and it's, it's replacing the expectations with intentions. And again, I don't want to get too new age with it, but it's saying, you know, even when you get involved in a romantic relationship, set intentions. Say, look, this is the direction I want to head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to head in this direction with me? I want to head in a direction that we become physically monogamous. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only person that you're being intimate with, mm-hmm. um, that we are going to be, we're, we're heading in a direction to get completely transparent with our language with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to a direction where we realize we're on the same team. So I may give constructive criticism, but I promise never to give it in public. But please understand that as your partner, I can see blind spots that you don't. And anything I'm telling you is for our benefit. Um, Mm. The intentions is for us not to complete each other, but to be two complete individuals. And we can function and serve as pillars because two complete pillars can hold more up. And that's going to be our family. That's going to be our legacy. That's going to be our tribe. That's going to be our community. Mm. All of that. Let's set these intentions and they don't have to be accomplished on day one. You know, and let's set, and let me also ex, ex, uh, explain my standards today. Yeah. And these are my standards, so we don't have to do this song and dance the best best foot forward for the first five dates and yeah. trying all of these different things. And as I express these, you know, none of these are your story; they're my story.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if I have to walk away from this again, I'm not walking away from you. I'm walking away from a version of me that has to exist for this to work.
0: Oh my gosh, brother! What the heck is going on here? This is mm-hmm. so oh man i feel like you're talking to so many people right now and on that topic i used to say uh the love for my children is unconditional and as i got older i'm like actually all love is unconditional if it's got conditions on it it's not love it's some other performance criteria that you need my approval in order for me to love you and i you know i used to say well you know um You know, there's nothing, Mike, any of you listening right now, how do you know what's pure love? If you have a child, there's nothing they could do to disqualify that from you. And in in our other relationships, if we make love for that person conditional, we've really blocked the potential for there to be love. And I learned that from looking at your work. Standards is much different than a condition. A standard is is something that we're going to live by and abide by so that more love flows. Conditions are, if you do this, I'll love you. If you do that, I won't. Yeah. We've already set that up that you're not going to. And the other biggie, this is a tough one. You write about it in the book. We all have to be guardians of this, I think, which is that envy pulls us away from love. And man, loving oneself—I'll give you the metaphor for me of how it applied. It's easy to go, yeah. If I envy my partner, then we're not going to love each other, mm-hmm. or it pulls me away from it. I actually feel like that in my personal relationship with me. Mm-hmm. If I sort of envy another version of me like man if i was like that Mm. then i'd love me or i'm envious if i had that thing or that relationship or that body or that money Mm -hmm. so i'm almost envying what i don't have then i'd love me Mm -hmm. it's sort of nonsense right i i
1: so you know there's levels to envy and i think the, the one positive of envy is that it helps reveal your authentic uh things that you value so think about people that you actually envy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're helping you reveal what matters to you. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I envy that person. Oh, I envy their body. Okay, mm-hmm. I I care about a physical mm-hmm. appearance, right? I care about the way they set up their career, or I care, you know, certain things. Because there's certain things about people you don't envy once you once you start to see their life on a granular level. Um, but then it can get dark very quickly. And I think the, the, what you said is, is really important, which is we have to realize that a going back to this idea of approval and likability a everybody, including the people, including ourselves, don't have a full view of who we are. You know, we are, we are trying to be aware of who we are. Even a person beside us spending every day with us still has a uh, an obstructed view of who we yeah. are, right? Yeah. And then you start going further and further out and, and someone like you with a, with a large audience, mm-hmm. they're experiencing you based off whatever view they're provided. Sure. And their opinions of you, both positive and negative, are still gonna be based off limited information. Right. It's the same thing when we start talking about, you know, oh, if I had, you know, ten percent body fat, then everything would be so much better. Right. And it's like I don't own a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else would change in my life because of that journey. Mm-hmm. And and what would be the difference. right yeah. Yeah. And we're everybody and, and and I think the truth is, and I think this is something that all of us uh professional dream chasers have realized is that it does take an enormous amount of unhealthy work ethic to accomplish something larger than life. Yep. If you want to you wanna be self-employed and make a decent living? Mm. It's a lot of work. You want to be self-employed and make a, a comfortable living? A very You're working way harder than most people. If you want to be a professional athlete, yep. you're going to tear your body up. Mm. If you want to be a professional chess player, you're going to tear your brain up. It's, it's way more work than we think, and we are rewarded for making it look easy. Yeah, you're right. So when we see other people that we envy, they are they are being rewarded for making it look easy. Steph Curry is being rewarded for making it those those logo shots. Great example. He, he makes it look easy and he celebrates, does all this stuff, and that yeah. adds you know to his branding. Yeah. But there are millions of shots being taken with yeah. no camera, with no nothing, yeah. and that's where that work is. And that is a question we have to ask ourselves: is well, what are we trading for that? Are we trading time with our kids? Mm-hmm. Are we trading time? Uh, Learning, growing, are we trading time that we could have spent walking through the park, enjoying nature, whatever it may be, getting vitamin D being outside, whatever it could be, and I think it's really important to understand that, which is we don't have a full view of any of this stuff, and we start making our regrets are always about what happened yesterday, and we always want to go back and turn 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 time and yeah. and, and fix them, but we don't know what how things would have changed. So true. And it's the same thing with a few. We don't have ac- you know, me being like, oh, I'm gonna come on this show and and if I do XYZ, then right. I don't know.
0: You're right. You don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And you, you know? don't know the gift if it didn't work well. Yeah. It could be there either. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, the series of events that that are gonna lead to this in any case. You know capacity. why it's so important, brother? Because that's I've learned that as I gotten older. That's why I've have reduced my expectations in relationships and even of events. I'm like you know what, this is, this is, I'm going to give this my best, and then I let go of it, and, and I let go of outcome, and I try to surrender and love the hour, love mm-hmm. the process, yeah, yeah. and however it goes. If this gets 25 million downloads or 25, mm-hmm. something is going to come from that that I'm going to love mm-hmm. in the journey. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a lesson, and maybe it's a celebration of a great uh, victory, right? Yeah. but I'm going to love. You know what I like about your work? It's not all like Pollyanna. So, I want to read something to you that you wrote because it's like there's stuff that stings a little bit too, which I liked. Mm -hmm. You said self pity is an occasional treat, but should not be your default mode. And I think one of the things that may be an obstruction to feeling love is self pity, is feeling bad for yourself. And self pity feels good because it's familiar and we can repeat it over and over again. And even in my own case, I could pull the self-pity card in like one second, man. I can feel bad about something in a second. Like you want me to feel that now to feel good about myself takes a little effort and work. To feel bad, oh man, I got one for you right now, and mm-hmm. I can replay that video. In fact, I can see that video in full HD. Mm-hmm. That person doing this to me, that situation, that person, to- and man, it is easy to repeat the self-bit pity. Pattern and video in our mind. Yeah. You're saying you can't never have it. It's like an occasional indulgence, is what you say. Yeah, but and talk it, about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Self pity is is the fast food version of building a connection with yourself. Because instantly, the moment you're expressing self-pity is you're saying, nobody knows what it feels like to be me, right? Nobody knows. Poor me. I'm the first person to ever get dumped. I'm the first person to ever get their heart broken. It's like, I'm going to ignore the fact that there's a million heartbreak songs out there. They don't know what I've gone through because they don't have, you know, and, and it's it's fast food. It's it's, it's a one-night stand with yourself. It's, it's, qu- it's a quick fix, right? It really is this quick fix. And again, there's there's a deliciousness to it there's no nutrition to it but and and I think the other thing that's really important from a cultural perspective is that people who want power and money know this and now if you go on social media every single community organization uh group that is identified now has a narrative on why they are victims you're right every single group this you know sure is, is like oh we are an oppressed group we are an oppressed group and the thing with this is that I'm not trying to minimize oppression. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that this world isn't fair. There's no empowerment
0: there. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I am most empowered not telling you about the stories of racism I'm experienced or I how imagine. I get treated at the airport. Mm-hmm. There's no empowerment in telling these stories. Mm-hmm. But talking about my, my privileges as, as a man who can walk outside at night and not worry about his safety, there's empowerment there that I can speak on behalf of people who can't do that. Yeah. Or my ability to walk upstairs, because and, 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 I'm not in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And if I use my privilege to speak about that to help people who can't walk upstairs to, to petition for ramps, mm-hmm. there's power when I speak about where, where I'm privileged. Mm-hmm. And everybody, no matter how challenging your life is, you're in a position of privilege on some level. Mm-hmm. And that's where the power is at. Mm-hmm. But that's a longer journey, mm-hmm. right? It's, a, it's, not a, it's, it's not as fast as fast food. It's not as You're convenient, right, but again, it goes back to fast food. It's quicker, it's cheaper, it's easier, but you, the longer you have it, it's going to, it's going to, it's real expense is going to show. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with self-pity. And I think, you know, especially we saw that during uh, the pandemic, because a lot of people were isolated and they started ruminating in their own thoughts mm-hmm. and they started, you know, living in these stories of their own heads and that really did a number on them in terms of how they were able to interact with other people. Mm. And as I said, people who want power, people who want to gain their political career, they'll Mm. be like, Oh, we're, they'll grab a group of people and say, look, they're, they're taking away these things from you, you know, and then, but they're doing it to consolidate power or to, to, to build a new uh, demographic that they can sell something to. And it's done so often. So I don't even, I don't want to hold it against anybody to who has self pity, I just want you to be aware of it. It's like when you do feel bad for yourself, also, are you getting that from social media? Because mm-hmm. there are people spreading these stories about y- the groups that you identify with mm-hmm. and why life isn't fair for you guys. Mm-hmm. Because y- it's true, as I said, there is oppression, there is, you know, the, the game board is not uh, equal for everybody. Of course not. But it, it never has. And mm-hmm. our power to fix things. Mm-hmm. And any situation will always come from taking personal responsibility because that's where the power is. (laughs) Things may not be our fault, but they're still our responsibility. If I'm driving my car on the street and somebody rear ends me, wasn't my fault, Mm -hmm. I still got to go to the auto body shop. I Mm -hmm. still got to talk to insurance. My power to make things better comes from me taking responsibility and doing something about it. It's not about placing blame. It's not about simplifying this. And I think this is a really interesting thing that I've learned as somebody who didn't grow up. who grew up with eastern philosophy Mm -hmm. they started to have this deeper understanding of what the tree of good and evil was and why it was such a big deal Mm -hmm. that um when they bit from that apple they bit from the apple that made them look at the world as everything is good or bad yeah that judgment and that took them away from the peace whoa whoa and realizing like oh oh i understand this now Mm -hmm. it's not just about saying okay you know things aren't bad but it's also when we talk about things being good Mm -hmm. because we have negative and positive triggers if you have an ex-girlfriend and i introduce you to my friend who has the same name this is gonna be a, you're gonna like them a little yeah, less there's
0: a correlation yeah there. yeah it's a trigger yeah
1: if you know if you had a mentor and introduce you to a friend you're gonna like them a little bit more it's a positive trigger you're right the both triggers are not serving us
0: you're right and by the way the story we tell ourselves and the belief so it may be that you're absolutely right that uh you are um um, at a disadvantage or someone has done harm to you yeah. the question that you have to ask yourself is how does this belief serve me how does the story yeah. I'm telling myself about this even if it's true yeah. assuming it's true yeah. serves me what would I need to believe so that it empowered me
1: yeah.
0: and I think even when you're going to break up someone has done you wrong they've mm. cheated on you they've broken up with you that is true Right. Or if someone hurt you in a business relationship or you are in a community that is disadvantaged somehow in society, which is absolutely totally true. What would you need to believe about this, that it serves you? Someone breaks up with you. A lot of people can form the belief that um, everybody cheats on me or nobody's going to love me, or I'm not worthy of this. So it's true they broke up with you, and you've attached a meaning to it that doesn't serve you. What would you need to believe about that situation so that it served you? Mm. And that's and that's where I really want to... I really believe what I just said is important, everybody, yes. is attaching, telling you, asking yourself, what story did I tell myself that created a meaning, and does that meaning give me power, or does it reduce my ability to feel more love in my life, more and, bliss? And what
1: you're doing is you're saying, instead of judging this as good and bad, Let's focus on curiosity because what you're doing is asking questions. That's right. Instead of something saying, something happens, it's raining outside, and then mm-hmm. being like, oh, this is a good day, this is a bad day. bad day. You're saying, what do I need? How do I need to see this or interpret this to benefit
0: me? <laughs> Brother, your work is so profound. Let me tell you how far it goes. I'll take it to a place you don't even know it goes. What you just said about this is either good or bad. Mm-hmm. When it comes to life and decisions and business, mm-hmm. when I'm coaching top people, when I say top people, I mean people that are leaders. There's no top or, you know, underneath humans. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is people that have a responsibility to lead other people when I say this. It's a better way to say it. Oftentimes they're, they're paralyzed by the, i got to make the right or wrong decision, the good or bad decision. And if I make the bad decision, I'm going to ruin this. And I said oftentimes in life, what if both of them worked? What if you did A or you did B and they both could work? Mm. What if A or B both could lead to a positive result? What if you're more resilient and resourceful than you believe mm. you are? What if there isn't a good or a bad decision in mm. everything in life, right? So the, the the reach and scope of what you teach is very big. It's mm. bigger than what y'all think when you're listening to him about, okay, yeah, that's true in my loving relationships. It's true in all relationships. Everything in life is relational, is relationships. Now I'm gonna push you on this one. Someone says to you, I heard you on the Ed Milet show, blown away. I really want to begin to experience more love. Can you give me something tactical I could begin to do as a daily practice that would allow me to begin to feel the love that already exists within me that potentially that I'm not doing? What would be one thing you'd say? Yeah.
1: So I think the, the, the spirit, the umbrella spirit, I would say is to prioritize self respect over self esteem. Okay. Okay. Respect how you what you think about yourself always matters more than what other people think about you so mm. make choices for that mm. and so in that context it's going to be what you would do if you want to impress somebody else in a day do that for yourself keep your word and your promises to yourself mm. if you said and, and but at the same time be easy on yourself you want to wake up earlier then pick a reasonable time and keep that and honor that um keeping your promises voluntarily putting yourself in difficult situations Please realize, and I think the pandemic helped a lot of people understand this, that Mm -hmm. life is going to throw you curveballs, so every day you should be practicing your swing, (laughs) you know, and every day that means voluntarily putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable, unfamiliar, being around people that you don't agree with, uh, being in situations that you would never would want to do. As you know, we talked about me going to Poland, like that, me going into Ice and Poland, like when I looked it up, it was a hard no. It was like, no way am I doing this. Let's
0: make sure they know what we're talking about because you started with this story too. You yes. went on a trip with a bunch of dudes to Poland with Wim Hof. Wim Hof, yes. And it's freaking freezing. Yes. So, A, you described how going through that experience with Lewis and some other guys bonded you with them. Yes. But I got to believe the relationship with yourself must have been miraculous as well. It so, that other thing know what it is I want you to tell him because here's what this man did he won't brag but I'm gonna brag for him not only was this a freezing trip and these guys went into ice baths and all this other stuff but they're jumping off waterfalls into I watched the video of this into they're running up a hill in the snow yes with their shirts off and stuff guys right then they get to this place and they jump off a waterfall into freezing water it's insane right yes And then I'm telling him, brother, you don't have a lot of meat on your bones. You must have been freezing your ass off. And then he goes, well, yeah, that was kind of the tough part. But the other tough part is I can't swim. This man went to Poland, ran in the damn ice and snow like all these other dudes, jumps off a waterfall. I don't know that I could ever jump off after in my damn life. Mm. Into freezing ass water. And he can't freaking swim. So what did that do? Now that they know the context, because yes. you wouldn't brag on yourself about this, what did that do for you? With you, because your point of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, you lived this to the extreme yes. and live it. Yes, um,
1: what it allowed me to realize is fear is a compass, right? Oh. Head in the direction of your fears, because that's where you developed. Is this. yeah, it helps you develop that self respect. Um, I have, you know, I've gone and sat in a pool on a resort. You know, I can't swim. I'll sit on the shallow side, and I'll sit in the pool. I've never jumped in water. Like I've been to Mexico and people are cliff diving. I can't swim. I've never done any of that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we're in a we're in a frozen lake where they've cracked open a hole, and we're jumping off a a waterfall. And 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 it wasn't, and again, in no way, shape, or form. And, and one of the guys actually did injure
0: himself. It wasn't mm-hmm. a safe
1: decision in any capacity. Tell them
0: this: they had to jump in like a little spot. It was right.
1: a little spot, and yeah. in that, in that little spot, you were going to feel your feet. It's probably I want to say about maybe seven feet of water. So you were going to jump off, and we're jumping off 30 feet. And um, the fear, knowing that I don't want to do this, realizing who I will be and how I will feel about myself once I did it mm. is what mattered. And as I said, th- that's that journey right mm-hmm. there. And you know, I've, now I've been recently invited to, to, to a place in um, Oregon to sit in darkness for 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 uh, five six days where you just sit in darkness they provide you your food you don't see any light um no sounds or anything and, and, and aubrey marcus has done this and he's talked about it before and again that instant feeling was this is a hell no mm-hmm. this sounds so scary all the voices i'm like what if something happens to my family while i'm away what if all of these things and and then realizing that look we can address all of that mm-hmm. Having you know and what i realize is we have the fears as the creatures that we are, we're generally kind of, Mother Nature kind of just wants us to eat, sleep, and procreate. And when we try to do anything else, Mm -hmm. there's always a voice trying to talk us out of it. You're trying to tie tie up your laces to go to the gym. You know what? Our knees are kind of hurting. Maybe we shouldn't go. (laughs) Or you know what? The weather doesn't look good. Or you know what? We we have a meeting right after. We may not have enough time. You know, we Mm -hmm. try to talk ourselves out of expending calories if it's not towards eating, sleeping, and procreating. So true, dude. And what I realize is, okay, my bucket list should be my fear list. Mm-hmm. It should be things that I'm afraid of, um, because that's going to unlock my potential. Mm-hmm. You know, the more the more I do things that I don't want to do, you know, it's going to unlock my potential. And sitting in ice, you know, Wim Hof developed a breathing system mm-hmm. to to really re regulate your fight or flight. You know, mm-hmm. we we get very stressed right now over day to day things. When you sit in ice, that will re regulate it. So mm-hmm. these things won't stress you out no more. Cause you just sat nice and you felt like you were going to die. Mm-hmm. And it taught us that a lot of the challenges that we have in life just come from the fact that we're breathing shallow mm-hmm. and his secret is just breathe deeper, mm-hmm. more intentionally. He's not selling anything. He's not trying to, there's no secret to this. It's just breathe with more intention. And going through that journey made me realize, okay, I have to lean into more challenges. Mm-hmm. I have to lean into more difficult things and realizing that, It's not my default to want to, and we live in a society that's always selling us more and more conveniences. They'll deliver your food to your front door. Why, why cook a meal and do the dishes after? Mm -hmm. You know, they'll they'll deliver your liquor. You can watch, you can pause your TV now, and you don't have to even wait for a certain time to watch it. Everything is becoming more and more convenient, Mm -hmm. but this convenience is killing our resilience. Mm -hmm. You know, and. What I'm learning is the harder it is outside of me, the stronger I become on the inside. I love that. And, I'm, and, and, and that makes me build self-respect. Yeah. And when I have self-respect, I, I need less outside validation. I'm worried less about being liked by other people because I have a healthier relationship with myself. Gosh. And then it's, and again, my, the, the goal here, and, and, and there's a quote in the book that says, the goal here isn't to help you find your soulmate. The goal here is to make you comfortable enough either way whether you find someone or don't and being okay with that because anybody who can spend time by themselves and view it as a reward review, view it as solitude and not loneliness. I, I think they're winning at life and that comes from just establishing this relationship with yourself. Um, and as I said, th- that relationship with yourself, I, I said it earlier in the interview, prayer journaling, um, dancing with yourself, uh, being intimate with yourself, hugging yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being you know, self-love is being your own best friend. Your best friend is your greatest cheerleader, and also the person who's going to kick you in your butt if you need a kick in the butt. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you actually so, in the book call it like being your own nurturing parent, almost. Yes, right.
1: And I have a chapter about being a nurturing parent. I think that's an important one because we're getting to this point now where we're identifying the gaps in our upbringing, mm-hmm. but then we instantly want that self-pity. We want to turn to our parents, and be like, "You messed me up. Yeah. My father." didn't experience electricity until he was 13. He lived in a village in India. How am I going to have emotion? Why why am I going to judge him on his EQ? You know, his goal, he moved across an ocean to a country where he didn't speak the language and worked to put food on the table for me I can't turn around on him and be like you weren't there, you know, you you didn't support me emotionally when I needed it. As an adult, I can support myself emotionally. I, I have a friend just I was just in Toronto last week. He took his inner child to the dollar store and had a shopping spree. He goes he goes we walked in and I told my inner child get whatever you want. He goes $20 worth of chocolate bars. That's good, dude. And yeah. and it, then it, then it began an inner dialogue with himself. And his inner child started asking him questions about how he's conducting himself, about why he walks so fast in the city, why he, you know, and it started revealing traumas that he had. Mm. Because it's almost like your child's asking, why are you the way you are? Why, Why do you carry yourself certain ways? Why are you doing these things? And you're like, well, I mean, that's just how I... I'm supposed to, well I grew up in this neighborhood and we had to be tough we had to do what you're like well why are you doing it now and you start having these conversations yeah, that's good. and I think we can be we can do that with ourselves mm. we really can and the more we do it with ourselves the more we can do it with others and when we establish that self respect and that self love now you know it's it's kind of like you, you've definitely seen it in the business world. The most helpful people in the business world are, are often the most successful. Yeah. Because they don't need anything from you. Yep and but they have this need to serve. You're right. It's the same thing with love. Those who are wealthy with self-love won't view their love as as a loan. It's not transactional anymore. It's I have so much of it, I need to serve, I need to give, and I'm not worried about whether I get it reciprocated. I'm not keeping score. I don't need it to be. That's that's what being a parent is. You give it and you don't need it to be reciprocated. And, and for many years, it can't be because they're, they're a blob of a human. <laughs> You're right. They're still figuring out how to just look at you, let alone Switch. interact with you. And I think, so for me, the pragmatic stuff, as I said, it's, it's being more intimate with yourself. I love journaling. I love prayer. I love dancing by yourself, getting used to your body. I think self-havening, I think, is good. I think taking yourself out, identifying what, what brings you joy and providing that for yourself. Um, I think um, taking care of yourself, as I said go to the gym, work, work out. Everybody knows you get stronger by, by tearing the muscles, put yourself in these challenging situations. Um, and then that'll put you in a position to help a friend move a couch. You know, all of these things put you in a position to serve more people and, and recognize that this is all internal that requires internal solutions.
0: Yeah.
1: We can't get it from anybody else. If we could get it from anybody else, we would have gotten it a long time ago. And you can see that because we, we hear all these stories of all these celebrities, all these people with all the money in the world, and they're still struggling. Yeah. And they can afford distractions, but the distractions only last for so long, and now they think more and more and more. Yeah. And we live in a society where I personally believe the most prevalent religion is buy stuff, be happy.
0: That is it, baby. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Buy
1: stuff, be happy. Buy this makeup, yep. buy this car, get this watch, get all these things, yeah. and you will be happy. But you won't because, as George Carlin said, you can't tape, you can't tape s- sandwiches to your body to get rid of your hunger. <laughs> it can't be external. It's got to be internal. And you're opening pathways to love that already existed. You don't have to find this love. You don't have to earn this love. There's no such thing as worthiness when it comes to a person. There's no such thing as enoughness. Enoughness applies to your bank account. Mm-hmm. Enoughness applies to your gas tank. Mm-hmm. Enoughness applies to your wallet, maybe. It applies, do I have enough to buy this movie ticket? Enough of a person? How do you measure it? Enough of a flower? How do you measure it? You can't.
0: Mm.
1: You th- let's just get that conversation out of there. Yeah. W- love loves everything, you know, and it and it's beyond this world of duality, as you said, mm-hmm. and and it's never just you know the right choice or the wrong choice. There's a hundred choices in between. Yes, you know, it's not A or B. It's A to Z or A to what what have you, yeah. and beyond this world of duality, when we when we beyond the world of this apple of good and evil, is, is love. Love yeah. is what's so what we have to do is clear away our insecurities, clear away our resentments, mm-hmm. clear away these thoughts that have been put into our heads from people who might have meant the best, yeah. but didn't know. You know, I, I was with somebody who hate who would always ask permission to straighten her hair. She was, Oh, my hair's curly, can I straighten it's gonna take an hour, we're gonna be late. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I'm like, You look great with your curly hair. She was like, Really? My mom always told me I didn't. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's a thought in your head that it, it feels like a lot easier for you to get rid of that thought for us to wait an hour for you to straighten out this hair because i you know as as a as a as a heterosexual male i'm looking at a lot other things before i'm looking at your hair anyway i wish they
0: knew that right yeah and i and
1: i tell them like yeah this is i'm not looking at your nails or your hair or your shoes or your shoes or your purse not at all none of these things i'm looking at other things three times before i even notice those things and i think that's the the important thing when it comes to this is this is an internal stuff and you know, I just want that to be important. Like, this is what the book is about, hey, and and this is why. If you go on my Instagram, you see a video of me in my underwear. That's what I'm promising. I'm trying to I promise. Feel like
0: you're really pushing this video. I'm pushing the video. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, no, but the reason why is because for
1: for three years I was writing this book, and mm. I got you're not married. How are you writing a book about love? Oh, okay. Then I got you don't have kids. You how can you even begin mm. to understand love? Mm. So. It was almost kind of like, you know, like if, if, you, yeah. if you're a business coach, I get you're going to have to show a level of, of business yeah. success. Yeah. So I was like, well, what do I have to show? Yeah. What am I actually selling here? And nice. what I'm selling is going easy on yourself, yeah. embracing your imperfections, and, and, and ex- experiencing love for a better life. Mm. And that's why this video of me in my underwear is so important. This is what I, I have. Yeah. This, is, this yeah. is my proof of concept. Yeah, well,
0: let me tell you something, brother. Your work stands on its own. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now. I I'm going to go watch that. the video of your underwear now because I'm incredibly <laughs> curious. But I got to tell you, uh, your work stands on its own. I have had very few conversations that went by this quickly um, that I wish I could have more of, which I'm going to have with you one-on-one, and we're going to become great friends. Most definitely. Your work's incredible. I appreciate You're incredible. It, thank you. Whatever your dad that he fought so hard to provide for your family that he didn't give you an emotional quotient, somehow you've acquired it. Your emotional, you. your EQ level is beyond belief. You're a poet. The way you articulate yourself you. is poetic, the way you communicate. Um the depth to how you express your thoughts and the depth of the thoughts themselves mm. is so profound and um I'm like super grateful you exist in the world. I really appreciate that. It's a fact. It's you. a fact. And um How to be loved or how to be loved depending on how you read the title of the book. Yeah. You guys need to go grab this book and I think this is one of these shows I my gosh, if you don't share this episode with somebody, I'm, I'm not sure what the heck is going on because this was an extremely great conversation. Will you come back? I want to have you on again. Anytime. I think we got to about 11% of what I wanted to talk about with you today, so yeah. I hope we'll have Listen, you back, brother. Any, anytime. Yeah, brother, I love you. I think you're incredible. You. I love you too, brother. I just love that I get to sit with extraordinary people, and there are just times, man, when I do the show I'm saying little prayers like, thank you, Lord, thank you. And this is one of those shows, so, so, so thank you, brother. No,
1: th- thank you for having me. This is this has been such a, a an enriching experience.
0: Oh, brother, extremely enriching. All right, everybody, you're welcome, because you know what just happened. That was <laughs> darn good. Share this, everyone. Go grab his book. Go grab The Power of One More. And you know what? Experience a little bit more love in your life, because as he's told you, it's there right now. All you got to do is remove some of these blocks, because it's always been there, and you can access it anytime you want. God bless you all, max out your life. This is The Ed Milet Show.